0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Paths of Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. I'm your co-host, Amon Kusro, and I'm joined by my other co-host, Jonathan Davis. Hello. Uh, today, we're actually joined by a special guest. He is the upcoming TO for the SoCal Grand Clash later in the fall. Uh, David Cutts. Howdy. David, thank you for uh, coming on the episode and being our guest. Looking forward to talking to you about SoCal In-Depth. I was going to say my
1: pleasure, and thanks for having me.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, So for reference, this episode was recorded on July 29th, 2019. Uh, The current version of the game is the uh, most recent bar drop, so I guess we call it Bar 4.0, and the latest or next release, I guess, is Dreadfane, which... We'll get, we'll get into that in a little bit, but there's some really funny things happening with Barnes & Nobles. Uh, anywho, let us get into community shoutouts. Uh, Jonathan, this is your thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, for community shoutouts this week, um, well, I guess just the first thing is there has been a lot about Dreadfang and Beastgrave and the recent and Restricted. So... I guess the first thing is uh, Dreadfang. You wanted to talk about that? Yeah, super exciting. Um, So for those of you who are unaware,
0: Dreadfang is a Barnes & Nobles exclusive in the United States and then whatever the, I guess, counterpart to Barnes & Nobles is in Germany. Um, And it's it's an easy-to-play game uh, designed to capture an audience that's not necessarily your typical wargaming audience. Um, so if you know, a kid or I mean even someone our age or even older sees it in a place where they don't usually see these type of games, it might pique their interest and then kind of get them into the game as a whole. I guess you can call it a gateway game. And um, the premise of the game is that it's a very simple down version of the current Underworld's uh, core game that we're playing today. Um, so it comes with two factions – and you've probably seen these models before. They're the easy-to-build sequiturs and the easy-to-build banshees from Age of Sigmar, Um, but their names as the warbands are Iron Souls Condemners and Lady Harrow's Mournflight. Uh, I really like the names. I think they're really cool. Um, The models fit great into Underworlds. They have some really cool bases, and from what we can tell, the game is played on a single board, which I think is really interesting, so it kind of cuts out tactical analysis of picking the right boards and placing them. Um, so there's preset starting hexes like the regular boards you place them on. I don't know if it's double-sided. I think it is. I'm not sure. There's lethal hexes, and uh, the game is played regularly. I believe both the Banshees and the Condemners will have their own faction-specific cards. And there's also, a, I guess, a tertiary card element where there's like special events or happenstances that are occurring in the game. Uh, I know that I guess one of the leaks mentioned like fireballs raining from the sky or something. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see what that game is gonna function like. And I think it's gonna be brush of fresh air or breath of fresh air, excuse me, not only for uh, new players, but also uh, some of the more you know seasoned players as well because it's it's different. It's not underworlds as we know it, and I would imagine be even quicker. So sounds like a lot of fun. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I think it looks fun. Um, I'm definitely excited to try those warbands in the main game. And then I think you might be able to try other warbands in that game as well. So that seems cool to me.
1: Yeah, I think any time you get a new player into the game, that's, uh, that's good for the community.
0: Yeah, and new warbands too. People go crazy for that stuff. Um, I certainly do. And Jonathan, to your point, if that is the case, where other warbands can be played in Dreadfan, I think there's a lot of replayability there. And uh, I know that Max Bernstein on his previous episode talked on uh, Battle for Salvation. He mentioned that he is playing a game for, with his child, with his, with his children. And uh, he, you know, tries to simplify the game a little bit. And so maybe this is an alternative. I know that uh, they also announced, like, an Underworlds for Kids version with, like, more kid-friendly card art. I think there was a Warhammer, Warhammer community post about that. Um, but this could be a good alternative in the meantime because there wasn't really any uh, release date on that stuff. Dreadfane's coming out. It looks really cool. As Jonathan mentioned, you can you can play those warbands in the core game. So it's going to be really exciting. Um, one thing that I wanted to point out, and I'd love to get your opinion, guys, is, and Jonathan, I, I think it was you who, who kind of like gave me the scoop, but I guess Barnes & Noble's accidentally, or I'm not sure if it's accidental, but they kind of dropped Dreadfane on their uh, online site.
2: Yeah, you can buy it right now, and a lot of people have already bought it and weirdly have already gotten their shipping confirmation. <laughs> so
1: we could have it any day now. We're not sure it's going to show Yeah, I placed up. my order a couple hours ago.
0: Nice. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Mine's uh, scheduled to de- deliver either tomorrow or Wednesday, so I'm pretty excited. <laughs> um, I do think it's weird, though, that like Warhammer community hasn't like dropped any information in regards to Dreadfane. Or they might drop it today or tomorrow, excuse me, or the day after. But uh, it will be really weird to get the core set. And, you know, I'm sure people will take pictures and post them on the Facebook groups and Reddit and kind of have everything, um, I suppose, I guess spoiled almost ahead of their intended release schedule, if that is the case. Again, I, because it's going through Barnes and Nobles, I'm not really sure. But uh, I guess it's going to be next fun couple of days.
2: Yeah, it's also kind of strange to me that it's not readily available in the UK. Um, I've already had a number of UK people want to know if I can buy it for them and then mail it over, and I, and I may end up doing that. But it seems like kind of a missed opportunity for Game's Workshop because everybody's going to want it. So, yeah, kind of weird. I,
0: I almost wonder if they're just going to release them separately, and like you know how they did Garrick's Reavers and Steelheart's Champions, like they re-released them. For Nightball, yeah. I wonder if they'll do that for Beastgrave.
2: They did say on the original post they would be available later, but I don't know. You know, we don't know what that means.
0: Sure. Well, uh, to your point, I've had a couple people reach out to me as well, and so I did order some extra copies, <laughs> and we're shipping it out to them. Um, but yeah, it's really exciting. Um, I also noticed that on the back of the cards, or on the box that was leaked, there was this picture of an objective, and. Uh, It had some weird text on it, and uh, I think it's really cool. I I wasn't able to make it out, but it seemed like there was an option to score a card. And so uh, I think just from that alone, um, I think it might be indicative of what we might see in the future. I'm not really sure, but it looks really exciting that they're kind of playing with the way uh, the wording on objectives, and uh, there might be new ways to score them, which seems really cool.
2: Yeah, I also noticed that a lot of the um, terms on the cards that we've seen so far are, like, bold and, like, uh, you know, have the first letter capital and everything. So looks like maybe they're cleaning up some of the
1: wording as well. And to, to Amon's point, like, if, if, any, if they can increase the objective play in the game, I think that's only healthy for the, the meta. Oh, I totally agree.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think right now we live in a score-immediately environment, which is fun. Um, because you immediately get to see value from your actions, which is, I guess, a good feeling. But uh, the game has kind of turned into... And actually not anymore, because the bar list kind of fixed that, which we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, it's almost kind of like who draws better. And I don't, I'm not necessarily sure if I like that. But uh, I guess it's been fixed.
2: Maybe. And I guess we can... Um, <clears throat> I, I guess you want to go to the beast grave next, or... Yeah,
0: well, yeah. talk
1: about the bar list.
0: Yeah, like David and Jonathan, what do you guys think of?
2: I guess the Beastgrave previews we've seen so far.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just it's pretty vague, right? So I don't. Have, I don't <laughs> I'm going to form any strong. Team yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I'm definitely excited. Um, but yeah, there's just not a lot to go off of yet.
1: So yeah.
2: hopefully at, uh, you know, maybe Gen Con or Nova, will find out more.
0: Yeah, I mean, like they did, I guess, leak some sort of silhouettes of fighters. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to maybe take a guess at what they might be? Uh, I'm terrible at guessing, so...
2: <laughs> I,
1: I, I have no idea.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, a lot of people have guessed different things. Some people think the one with the horns is uh, Beastmen or Chaos of some kind, like a Chaos Dwarf or some kind of Chaos Helmet. And then it looks to me like it's some kind of elf or deer thing, So, or they have antlers and stuff, so... I imagine it's something like that, but yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, if you want to hear that
2: lion looked like it was probably something to do with elves. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If they are elves indeed, which, uh, if you want to hear a little bit more of, I guess, uh, thoughts and speculations or uh, even a wish list, check out the latest episode of uh, battle for salvation, which, uh, it was a really good episode. I really enjoyed it. They covered the bar in depth, um, which kind of leads us into a community shout outs again. So, uh, uh, Jonathan, um,
2: did you have any yeah. other shout-outs? Um, just some of the podcasts that I've been listening to this week. Um, what the Hex did one about... Really, they just went all into the teasers on Season 3. That was interesting to hear what they uh, wanted from the new season and were hoping for. And then Battle for Salvation covered, like you said, they covered the new bar. Uh, we had Still City Underworlds has released a number of articles about the Grand Clash that happened. Um, unfortunately for them... The bandit Restricted happened right afterwards, so the relevance of the articles took a little bit of a hit. But they are really interesting. Um, one of the writers on there, uh, Freya, broke down all the Molog and Cursebreaker decks, like, stat-wise. Um, and I really enjoyed that breakdown. So, I thought that was cool.
0: Yeah, I've been really enjoying their content as of late, after their mega-novel
2: yeah yeah uh, they they wrote a book about that grand class (laughs) yeah i mean it's really
0: good i mean like as as we've mentioned you know and and when i've talked to michael carlin in the past he mentioned that steel city underworlds was kind of designed as a a guide to play defensively um and so it's really nice to see i guess some of the experts if you will on the subject and kind of see their thought process and their explanations when it comes to defensive play which i love I just think that there's uh, a lot of I guess misconception on I guess the general status of it. I don't know, like I, I know some people don't like playing against it. I don't mind defensive decks and this might be getting a little off topic, so feel free to rein me back in. But uh, <laughs> I dislike turtle decks, so I think
1: there's a difference. But um, Yeah, I agree. There's a big difference. And we you know, we played the the turtle cast or whatever you called it at the beginning of the mid season, the first season. And it kind of ruined a lot of people's game experience, you know. People, actually, people complaining that I was just sitting there drawing cards.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, and I understand. I've been playing against the guy who's kind of been doing that to me, and yeah, it's not super fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think there's like a
2: there's a line where defensive play becomes non interactive play, and that you know that can be hard to It can be hard to tell where that line is, but I think. And this is something that sort of leads into the banned and restricted list, but I think that it's Games Workshop's responsibility to make sure that the game is as fun for as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think in some cases that means, you know, nerfing certain styles of play that might be too powerful or not as fun. So,
0: agreed. And I don't necessarily yeah. think that, um, you know, defensive play, there's a difference, right? Like, you can, if you're, if you build a good deck, you're prepared for any style of play. Right. So there's a difference between complaining about, oh, I didn't prepare for this, I'm getting stomped versus negative play experience. And so I, I hate to see this, but I see it often online, is a lot of people complain about the former. But, mm-hmm. you know, we do play a competitive game. It's marketed as such. And so if you don't prepare for all eventualities, which in a competitive scene, uh, I think you should. I mean, I highly recommend it. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you should be too mad if you failed to prepare as an individual. Now, to David's point, when it becomes uninteractive or there's a negative player's experience associated with it that's justified, then I think it becomes a problem.
1: Um,
2: yeah, I agree. And I think it, that it's,
1: it is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, David. Well, it, it is. A, for me, it's a challenge to overcome. So I it, well, it might not be super fun at the, the table, the mental exercise of trying to figure out how to beat it or and continue to be able to you know take on all comers list is the the exciting part and the challenging part
2: yeah absolutely I, i agree and i think that as competitive players you know it's you really shouldn't have the attitude of like oh that list is dumb you know and you definitely shouldn't like be shaming anyone that tries to play it but at the same time it's up to gw to you know look at their game and make sure that it's something that they want to be happening so i think they've done a good job with it so far though I, I actually think that uh like control or defensive play is still viable especially as like a flex sort of uh situation where you're control aggro or something like that so yeah but anyway we've we've uh, went off on a bit of a tangent um the, the last thing we want to do for community shout outs is uh, oddly self-promotional but <laughs> um, it's, a big,
0: it's a big announcement i'm excited
2: yeah yeah it's um recently in the last couple of weeks or so or month or so i've been working on a website and i launched the beta of it and it's called well of power well of um, and it is primarily a community deck site um, it also has a uh, complete article library um, on the other blog that I've worked on previously, Wigglehammer. Um, I had the list of like all the resources and then different articles for each faction. And this has sort of brought it to the next level where um, it has everything in one like library list and you can search for things, you can filter by faction. You can filter by what version of the game. So, if you just want to see current articles, you can sort by that and things like that. And then the deck uh, guide is probably the the deck guide building, is probably what I'm the most excited about. Um, Anyone can just log in and make an account, and then they can create um, a deck guide. They just build a deck in any deck builder, and then they fill out this form with like an intro, a deck building section, a play style section, and then a conclusion. And then you just hit submit and, uh, after a review process. And I usually review it after, you know, usually it's that day, but you know, within 24 hours or so, um, I'll post it and you can share it and you can talk about it in the forums. And the goal is just to, you know, try to get as much information out there and allow anyone to sort of share what they want, um, You know any deck they've been having success with, or anything interesting that they've been playing, and we already have a number of them on there, and I'm really excited to see what people come up with.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm really excited for it. I guess my my favorite part is the forums, right? So sometimes it's really hard to keep track of everything that's happening on Reddit or the Facebook pages, but I guess in the forum um, because it's so structured, uh, you can just have general conversations, and and I really like the fact that like if someone posts a deck guide, you know there's a comment section, so you can actually discuss and ask questions in one space. So it's all centralized in a way, um, which I think is really exciting because not only are you able to um, just keep all your conversations in one place, but a lot of the time, like when I'm at work, I don't have time to go on Facebook. And so when I get on after work or in the evenings, um, it's a lot of scrolling and a lot of, and it's all about like, what's the most recently liked article. So there could be an article or a post from like two weeks ago that someone just saw and recently liked, and it shuffles it all the way to the top, right? <laughs> and so you have to like kind of go through more and more information. So here I'm really excited because, you know, you can kind of just talk about what you want to talk about and and just kind of glance at whatever you want to glance at.
2: Yeah, yeah. It has that news
1: feed. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's it's your thing. I keep. But I, I'm just gonna say I miss forums. That was all I was gonna say.
2: Yeah, and the, uh, the forums are new, and so there's not really a lot on there. But I definitely encourage people to, you know check it out and if you want to start a conversation or something go for it um, and then I also have the like tracking events and um, there'll be more to come and uh, I'm really just figuring out what else the community wants from that kind of website um, so if you have any ideas definitely let me know and uh, figure it out just gonna make everything better I think so I'm definitely excited about that cool um, I guess this is where we'll talk about the banned and restricted list just what have you guys been up to the last uh, couple of weeks? And I guess what we'll really start with is with David. Um, why don't you give a little introduction to you and the hobby and your group and just what you've been up to in the last, uh, you know, a couple of weeks or so with the
1: game? Okay, so so me. Um, I, um, I stay at ho- home dad and I run a little game club here in Southern California in, inland Cal- in the inland empire basically. Um, and I've been playing games since I was a teenager, took a few um, decades off as a uh, young adult building a career in a family, but, uh, got back into it, you know, six or seven years ago with D and D and then 40 K and then, uh, Underworlds came out and one of the guys at the club was like, play this game. And I'm like, yes, I will. Cause it's awesome. And it's continues to be my favorite game. Um, you know, there's some, obviously, ups and downs in uh, your enthusiasm level for everything. But uh, I, uh, I definitely enjoy playing Underworlds. So, um, I've been slacking on deck building the last few weeks because I've been getting ready for a 40k tournament this last past weekend, which I was unable to go to. But I did build a new Skaven deck this morning just to, to try something out different. I've been playing a lot of Curse Breakers and uh, Briar Queens and wanted to get back into some shenanigans with Season 1 Warbands.
0: Yeah, I think that's a common theme, uh, is that a lot of people are messing around with the Season 1 warbands, and interestingly enough, I think they're more viable now than
1: they have been in a while, after the latest bar. Right, the, yeah, I think that it's really going to shake up that Curse Breaker-dominated meta, so it'll be, it'll be nice to to not play Curse breakers just because they're... I know, I've been playing them since they came out, so I'm done, <laughs> I'm done with them yeah. for a year. <clears throat> Though I also think they got a buff, too, so... <laughs> um.
0: But we'll see. I'm really looking forward to seeing what people do with Magors. But uh, that's really awesome, and that you run your community. How many players would you say are in your community or your your gaming club?
1: Um, in the club total, we probably almost 80, 80 or 90. It's predominantly, um, you know, role playing D&D and stuff. Um, quite a bit of 40k and AOS, and then us uh, skirmish gamers are uh, a smaller community. But there's uh, probably at least a half a dozen of us that play fairly regularly. There's three or four of us are pretty hardcore. Tony Fields in our play group um, and a couple of the guys um, that have done well locally. So we do okay.
0: I mean, that's awesome. Do you, do you feel like a lot of people have transitioned to Underworlds from role-playing because of, you know, as you mentioned, a friend got you into it. Do you feel like that conversion rate is there?
1: Um, I think it's, it's more, it's an easier conversion than um, 40k or AOS because it's it well the the appeal of the initial buy-in is somewhat lower. But at this point, if you and we, I'm sure we can talk about this when we're talking about community building, that the the mountain of stuff that one must buy if they're getting into the game right now is somewhat intimidating. But I, th- I think with season three, it's almost going to reset. You want, I, mean, I think it will, the season one war bands will be kind of optional. You won't, you won't probably won't need to buy those. Yeah,
0: do you think that um, <laughs> they'll phase out anything from season one? I know that there's been some talks of, I mean, I, for a long time, I, I, I've believed that we should phase out the Universal cards. I mentioned that in an article, like, early spring. And now people are saying that they think they're going to phase out the warbands. How would you feel about that
1: as someone who's growing a community? I don't, The, the warbands, I don't, I think that because of Power Creep, the warbands are going to be phased out by the community anyway. I think that I was talking to somebody here recently a week or two ago and saying that we should restrict all of Season 1's universals um, just as a, a blanket policy so that new people, they don't have that bar- that's barrier to entry. One, you can't buy some of those cards anymore. right? You can't get a healing potion anymore because it was in Shadespire. So if you just restrict it all, then it levels the feeling, playing field. If you ban them all, I'm fine with that, too. It doesn't matter to me at this point. I, I was When Season 2 came out, I was very against banning season one universals because i felt season one war really needed those cards they were designed with them and at the beginning of season two there wasn't a whole lot of stuff for say McGoris to really use efficiently if you banned all of season one's cards but i think now it's, it's coming to a point where doing something to restrict those cards would be a healthy for the meta for the community
2: jonathan what do you think Yeah, I think I agree. Um, I mean, if they don't do it now, I think they'll have to do it before there's another season. Um, We have about 1,000 cards right now. And, I mean, it feels good. um, But also, you know, a lot of the good ones from Season 1 are restricted anyway. And honestly, I'm ready for, like, a reset. Like, I wouldn't mind a season without escalation, without ready for action, you know, that kind of stuff. So
0: Without rebound.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'll miss some of the cards, too. Last chance, oh, for sure. you know, yeah. things like that. But, I mean, depending on what is in the next season, like, it'll just be more... It'll just be exciting, like... So, I, I think that's good. I wouldn't I would I wouldn't think there'd be any reason to get rid of the warbands themselves. I don't see any reason for them to not always be playable. I just think they some of them might just not be very good. But exactly. I also don't think that's really a bad thing, as long as honestly, as long as about half the war bands are what I would consider to be competitive, I think the game's going to be in a pretty good state. And especially as the game gets bigger, you know, this, by the time, you know, this year, by the end of season three, we're going to have, it'll be in the twenties. And then if there's a fourth season that also has eight war bands, then that would be in the thirties. And like, at some point, like they don't all need to be, they can't ever all be perfectly balanced. So like, we just don't know, like, that would be unrealistic. (laughs) So
1: I just want the meta to be healthy enough. You know what I mean? Exactly. And you're always going to have the the people who are like, well, I just want to play my, my orcs. I'm like, okay, that's great. But you're, you're fighting an uphill battle. And in 40 K or AOS, if you're going to play an underperforming army, a lot of guys just do it because of the love of it. But underworlds is, it's competitive, right? Like if, if you're going to play, you're going to want to win more than you lose. So, why would you purposefully
2: handicap yourself? It's also much less of an investment. Like, you know, even if you love orcs, you know, it's only $30 worth of orcs that you have there. So, you know, it's not too bad to have them sit on a shelf for a while. And then the cool thing about having there be more seasons is maybe they'll come out with other orcs that are better and then you can sort of scratch that
1: itch that way. Exactly. Like, how many Stormcast warbands do we have? Like, can yeah. I can imagine that we won't have... Iron Jaws and Bone Splitters and whatever, you know, all the other warbands of orcs are. I don't know what they all are. I'm not that big of an A-list there.
0: Well, the thing is, is that it's in the realm of Gur, right? The new expansion Beastgrave or Season. Um, So, like, lore-wise, I would imagine that you would see more, like, destruction-based warbands. So, I mean, there's a really good chance, David, that you're spot on. That we'll probably see some more orcs. Um, or at the very least, something that can scratch that, that itch of, like, I just want to, I guess, destruct things.
2: <laughs> I hope so.
1: It will be helpful.
2: Good. And the other cool thing would be, like, as the game evolves, if there is a cycle, and that means, like, each season will bring new and different stuff, the play styles might change, and you may see some of those older warbands suddenly be good. Because maybe their play style, like, just fits the new stuff in a really good way. So Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think, uh, that personally, that's what I would do, is just do a reset every year. Because um, like uh, David was saying, right now the buy-in is probably the most that I would want it to be. I think if you, you know, full price, I think the whole set is about $600, which is a lot. But if they do a cycle, that means each year you could buy in for 300 and then, you know, just keep current. And that yeah, yeah, seems much more, like viable like that's uh, much easier to swallow for you know a new player so yeah i mean 600
0: alone is like it's like a 40k age of sigma army right that's uh,
1: a quarter of an 40k army
2: unless you're playing nights nice. yeah <laughs> if you're playing knights, nice,
1: you can go you know, in and if you're only buying the, the exact models you're going to play like everybody buys an extra box of space marines or cataphrane you know or yeah. something. and it i don't know how really much grish. whoops no uh, Sorry, <laughs> I don't know how Fair much fun. like you can get
2: for 300 bucks. You know, if you're playing Magic: The Gathering, but I can't imagine it's that much. So yeah, even
0: Hearthstone, right? Like I'm am a big fan of that game. I play it on the side, and yeah, yeah. every expansion, if you want all the cards, you're gonna spend at least two, three hundred every three months. Mm-hmm. So uh-uh. I guess the investment for Underworld yeah. is significantly less, which I th- I think is is good because I think price isn't enter uh, a barrier to entry. Excuse me. So. Mm-hmm.
1: But what yeah. what I tell some people, too, is that it's it's a hobby and it's full, it, this is your disposable income. Like, there's a lot of hobbies that are a lot more expensive. You know, I used to shoot a lot with guns before I started getting back into role-playing. I you guys who race cars, you know, boats, fishing, like, golfing, all Even, stuff. Yeah, golfing is really expensive. It's really expensive. Really expensive. <laughs> so yeah. to just complain that a warband costs you 30 bucks, like, uh come on man
0: it's, yeah it's, and again like everyone has different you know financial situations and totally respect that but you know if you get sure. into something as a hobby like i went golfing with my buddy the other weekend and it was like 50 bucks and i was like, and plus the beer that we brought along so i was like i was like dude and that's, that's not like,
1: clubs and that's not balls right?
0: yeah that's not yeah exactly so like if you think mm-hmm. about it if you want to go golf you can skip out on a golfing session and get like half of underworlds
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, or half of one season at least but uh yep.
2: Yeah, whatever whatever floats your boat. So,
0: (laughs) just to get back on topic now, um, I guess we're gonna do a a quick personal recap of like what we've kind of been up to. Um, and so I guess I guess we were kind of doing that with David. And so, um, David, is there anything else that you're I guess currently working on or looking forward to, uh, in the Underworlds?
1: Um, like I I just I'm gonna start tinkering with uh, some of the season one warbands. That's all. And, you know, of course, I'm looking forward to the, the new season. Cool.
2: Sounds good, man. Jonathan? Yeah. Um, well, I've been doing a couple of different things. Before the Abandoned Restricted list, I was helping a couple of my local friends um, prep for Gen Con. And so I was playing. It was fun for me because I got to play, like, all the meta stuff. So I was throwing Molog or uh, Curse Breakers or, you know, uh, Profiteers and stuff you at them. you say it was fun? Yeah, it was fun. I because, always knew you were a power gamer.
0: <laughs> well,
2: I've been playing a lot of Guardians and Godsworn, so playing the different stuff has uh, been interesting. I played a few games with Michael Carlin's aggro Molog deck, and that was just disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it was it was so good. Yeah, I've played I scored, you know, like, a game like a good of it, too, and it's not fun. Yeah, I scored, like, I think my whole objective deck in like the second round one of the games so I, I could see why he brought it to that but um so that was cool and then of course halfway through that process the banded restricted list came out um which is always like i always love it when they update it but it's always like oh man i have to relearn the game again um so mostly i've been trying to figure out what's good again and i've been messing around with goblins thorns of the briar queen profiteers and God Sworn to try to figure out like what works, you know? Yeah, I think
0: that's probably one of the most fun parts is, okay, I'm looking at my deck, and there's like 12 restricted cards in here.
2: <laughs> so I'm just yeah. like, hmm,
0: what do I take out? And then it's kind of forcing you to make some hard cuts, which I, I enjoy. I mean, yeah, I can see how it can be frustrating, especially a week before a major Grand Clash, which that's kind of frustrating. But it's also fun because it's like when I go to Gen Con and I'm playing there, I'll get to see a new meta. It'll be fresh. I won't have to like now I don't really know what to prep for because like as you mentioned, uh, anything could be viable. So kind of excited for that. Um, so I guess that kind of leads into what I've been doing. and as I mentioned, I've been prepping for Gen con. Um, also just you know, been really enjoying Underworld as of late. and I think the bar list was a great thing. and I kind of wanted to, I guess do a gentleman's rebuttal to some of the negative feedback I've been seeing on the bar, and, and you guys feel free to chime in whenever you want, but, you know, a lot of people are, like, clamoring that, like, this bar is, like, like, I've seen some really good feedback, and I've seen, like, oh my god, they nerfed everything. Don't buy power unbound. And my argument on my rebuttal, excuse me, would be, well, I mean, that's kind of how, I guess, balancing checks work, right? Like, sure, it's not scheduled, like, 40k, or I don't know if uh, Age of Sigmar is scheduled or not, but the whole point of the bar list is to make sure that the game is as healthy as it can be in the current meta and i think it's a great thing so it's really interesting to see people like you know complain like oh the game's unbalanced small, curse breakers oh my gosh they're so powerful and then you know the game gets kind of reset almost as you mentioned jonathan and everybody's kind of at maybe not a level set playing field but like they're closer than they were beforehand and then people are mad like if you don't want to buy power unbound that's on you but just know that if you go to a competitive event you're going to lose because you don't have some of the good cards from power unbound it's a competitive game and now if you're complaining that half the cards got restricted that's not the case um like five or six of them are restricted and yes they were all good but that's because they were being abused beforehand and just because there is a restricted, I guess, uh, you know, stamp on those cards, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're unplayable. A lot of people are saying like, "Oh, I can't play half of Power Unbound." You can. You just have to be a little bit more smarter and tactical when it comes to what cards you do take. Which also means that your opponent has to be just as smart, if not smarter. So when you're playing the game, you know, you're not automatically going to assume everybody has Well of Power or upper hand or calculated risk or um, spirit bond, you know, like it's, it's part of the fun. It's part of the tactics behind a competitive game. And so I think the bar and Jonathan, you've been saying this since day one, the bar list is a fantastic feature. It's, it's great, right? Like I think you coined the phrase, it's not a bug, it's a feature. And I love that it is a feature to the game and it should be included in every day when you're building your decks. And if it brings Warbands you know, closer in line, then I think you know, as a player, as, as a fan, as someone who cares about the game enough to voice your opinion online, I think maybe you should take a step back and just see how it can be beneficial for you as well. Because who knows, you could maybe become a better deck builder. You could maybe you know, create a strategy that you didn't think that you could have beforehand. Or you could be playing a different Warband that you think fits better in this meta. And I think that's wonderful and I think that's exciting. And as a fan of the game, as someone who plays it every day and, and puts so much time and effort into it, I love it. And if anything, my profiteers got nerfed. You know, like I love <laughs> Thundercats Profiteers, and, and those guys are, I wouldn't say unplayable, but they're definitely, you know, you have to go back to the drawing board. Maybe you play a little bit more passively. I'm not really sure. Um, I was planning on taking them to Gen Con, um, and, and, and now I'm not so sure anymore. Because again, like as a player, you know, if anything, I should be upset, and I'm not. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Maybe I should try something different. Maybe I can, you know, find the next big thing, if you will, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder if you're thinking of it as an opportunity instead of just a like a, somebody throwing a wrench in the works. And I think that's the right way. If if you are, I think that's the right way to think about it.
2: I think that's a great way to put it. And, and yes, I am. Yeah, and from my my perspective, it's kind of interesting, I guess, because I didn't play... uh, I started playing the game right when Nightfall came out, so I never really got to play season one, and if you remember back to that time, right when we got uh, Nightfall and um, Echoes of Glory and the Gits and Eyes, there wasn't a restricted list, and there was a really strange time when we were playing in the meta at that time, you were basically taking every single current restricted card um, from Shadespire in your deck. I think uh, and John all Reese's... all the banned ones,
1: yeah.
2: yeah. and all the banned ones. John Reese's Skaven deck, I think, literally had every single... Or had like 21 banned and restricted cards in it. And, I mean, that was fine for competitive players because they... You know, it was a competitive game at that time still. But the number of options that you had was very low. And... So then, when they did the band and restricted list, I think it made the game like I think it brought the game from one level to another one entirely, where you're no longer just piling in all the good cards, kind of you know, at a, there was no cost to it. You would just take them all. Now you had to choose five. And I personally felt like before this current band and restricted list, once Power Unbound came out. I felt like we were in a very similar situation where you would just take everything that was good. But then even worse than season one, the situation was the only people that could take everything that was good were the magic and ranged war bands, which were primarily season two. So to me, it was almost like, uh, having power unbound unrestricted was like really throwing the game out of balance so I couldn't be happier to see um, this banned and restricted list, you know, really update the game because I feel like it's probably the most balanced that it's ever been. And honestly, I think some of the biggest issues that I've had with this game over the last year were times when they didn't upgrade it, they didn't update the banned and restricted list fast enough. Like for example, I think Tome of Offerings was unrestricted for way longer than it needed to be.
1: Yeah. So you missed the what I call the dark time between when uh, the last Warbands of season one were released and the bar list, where the community, you would, if you made a charge, the first time, first charge of every turn, you'd be like, you got it? Do you have, uh, well, I can't remember what it is now, the <laughs> quick runaway? Quick thinker. Quick thinker, yeah, right? Yeah. Um,
2: I, did, I, I was able to play that for about a month, and it was just <laughs> silly. Do you have a quick thinker? You would just ask yeah. that every time. <laughs> it was ridiculous.
0: I also think a really cool thing is, you know, you mentioned that the dark times or the dark ages, if you will, um, a lot of people I've heard in, in quite recently, but even before that was that a lot of the season one war bands were like different flavors of one another. And I don't think it's because of the design. I truly think it's because everybody took the same cards. So everybody had the same strategy and the same options. And so if you take those, so I guess what I'm trying to say is because the bar is there, it created sure, there's a little bit more disparity between warbands, but it created opportunity to innovate, and I really like the, the you know the word you use, David, opportunity, because like think about it, we would have never had some of the cooler decks that we've seen now. Um, I guess the one that comes to mind is like a Tome deck. Like sure, like I guess anyone can kind of realize like oh, Acolyte of Tomes, there's a bunch of Tome upgrades, great, but like the way you go about it, you know, is is, is quite innovative and so I don't know I really like the bar list I think it changes the game up and for a competitive player like if you want to stay on your toes and you want to invest in, in a scene if it's local, national, or global what better way than to keep a game fresh right?
1: exactly yeah, I agree so,
2: um, okay. <clears throat> I think that's that covers that pretty good um, I do have let's... one thing though
0: Sure. What's your other thing? <laughs> I do think that there was there should have been a, uh, an addition to the ban list. And, oh. uh, it might be a little controversial here, but um, I think upper hand should have been banned, quite frankly. And my reasoning behind it is it circumvents a key component of the game. You roll dice, you hit, or you miss, depending on your, def- your opponent's defensive roll. I mean, mm-hmm. like, the game is designed on drawing, moving your fighters and rolling dice. And if you give a card the opportunity to make that roll irrelevant, I think that's, it's not, it's it's not only does it circumvent the core mechanic of a game, it, it makes it not fun. Like imagine if someone rolls three dice at you, (laughs) you know, and they get two crits and you have two defensive dice and you double crit. How awesome is that? Right? Like, it's crazy. It's like a really good feeling, and then someone's like ha, upper upper hand. Then it's like not only did you immediately go from an extreme high to an extreme low, your fighter's probably gone. And so I dislike the card. I think it's gr- like great for aggro warbands, but I mean it, it's good for anything, right? In a game designed for combat and and sometimes holding objectives, it's really good. And it can kind of take away from some of those big moments that I think players have come to enjoy and not only, you know, feel good about individually, but like share with their friends as well. Like, oh, hey, Jonathan, you remember that one time where I crit blocked your Briar Queen? You know, you lost the I I beat you because of that. You know, like it's exciting. And you're taking that away from a person. And uh, I I don't know. I I don't like it. End rant.
1: (laughs) I, I think Last Chance has the same effect on me whenever somebody plays it against me. Like, God damn it! I just
2: <laughs> yeah. Then... Rebound is similar for me. That's that's. I guess I guess we all have one that we, we hate. <laughs> but it's all it's all very like. Oh, I thought this was gonna happen, but no. It's kind of quick thinkery. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you know, like the the ban list is something that I think they seldom seldom touch. And I think that's important, but if you look at some of the banned cards, like Great Concussion, it was just too strong. Um, time Trap, um, I thought it was fine before they FAQ'd it, and then they FAQ'd it to where you could just charge charge twice in a row, and that was crazy. It was too good.
2: It was yeah. Too good. Yeah.
0: Um, and yeah. Then, that was too good. Like imagine Magora with like Great Strength and um, <laughs> the Skull, or the upgrade that Trophy Hunter. Like you just you just lost two fighters, and he scored four glory, plus probably advancing strike, you know? And then...
1: Yeah, I can imagine, like, Magar with it. Like, that would be gross.
0: Yeah. Or Moloch, yeah. And then... <clears throat> Moloch, sorry, yes. Um, and then what was the other one? Quick Thinker. Again, an extremely negative uh, play, player experience card. So I think Upper Hand does the same thing. And, like, I guess it's fun when you play it, because, like, you get to, like, break the rules of the game. But I guarantee you, when it's played against you, you dislike it strongly. And I'm willing to say that everybody, a portion of them feels that way when it's played against them. And, it, and it's not fun. And
2: I think when it comes to a card like that, it's gots to go. But. <laughs> Personally, I don't think it's making the cut in a lot of my decks. Um, but uh, maybe in a very aggressive one, like my God would probably use it. Um, but I think, uh, to me, I think a restriction, like before I was literally putting it in every deck because it's that good. But now that I have to choose between it and objectives and ready for action, I'm not really sure that it uh, it makes sense. But I definitely agree that it's, it feels kind of bad. Like, for one thing, you have to ask people to roll their defense dice when you fail the roll. Like, you just flub it entirely. And that's weird. And I know they should be rolling it anyway, but, like, let's face it, nobody really does.
1: Um well, as a as a Stormcast player from season one, I I always yeah, yeah. still
2: do, but yeah <laughs> just
1: out of habit. Right, right. I mean, I try to, but it's
2: you know it's difficult to get you know other people to or remind remember to do it yourself. So I I think it was I just hope we don't see it as much anymore, or we just deal with it. But I think if I had to pick one, it would be a rebound. <laughs> I just hate that card. <laughs> yeah, I just like it strongly as yeah. well. And I guess, I guess I would just hope they do less of that going forward. Like. That random stuff that, or that the, just the bad feeling cards. Like, yeah. Upper yeah, hand's not even random. It's just like, it's too much insurance on how the game works. Yeah.
0: Well, just imagine like Mologue, right? Like, <laughs> he hits on two hammers. Sometimes he misses. Um, sometimes he crits you and you crit him back. And it's like amazing, you know? And then yeah. he just slams upper hand, and then your, your Dwarden, your Elf, your Skeleton, your Goblin, they just get smattered. And it's like, is that, <laughs> yeah. is that fun? Like I, I just fundamentally like got lucky and you know, and you're taking, not only are you circumventing this game, but you're taking away my awesome role that could have been a cool story or could have been a, meta- like a game defining moment I agree. and you, mm-hmm. so, but I mean, yeah. you know,
1: I can agree to disagree as well. So I, no. I have a point or two points. Yeah, sorry. So one, I, I like to think of rebound, like even if it goes off against me, two thirds of the time when that person plays rebound, it doesn't work. So it's a dead card. Um, and then the, the, the upper hand thing, it's, it's it, it, because it doesn't have a chance of failing, like rebound or last chance that makes it a little bit like, eh, maybe too good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one, one card
2: that is vaguely similar to these that I actually do really like is the new Godsworn card, uh, dark portent. And it's cool because it's a reaction before they attack you or you don't count crits as successes anymore. And so, like, to me, I've been playing that one a little bit. That one does not feel as gross when you play it. <laughs> but, um, like, it's actually pretty good, I think, once you do the math. So hopefully they do more like that and less, like, gotcha cards. That's yeah, I guess on. if you can get all out of three defense, that's... uh Well, that's- if they... I mean, if the if the queen say is attacking you with a three fury attack, you've just reduced her accuracy by more than half. Yeah. Unless she so. has spirit bond. Right, right, right. But <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's it's just yeah. it's just a good card, but it's not it doesn't feel it, it's before you they roll the attack dice, so like it doesn't feel as gotcha, which is what I like. Yeah. But um <clears throat> Did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about uh, regarding the ban and Restricted?
0: No, I think I just, you know, as keep in mind to whomever is listening is that, you <laughs> know, we're not complaining per se. We're just sharing our opinions. And, um, uh, you you know, you totally might disagree and that's totally OK. And, and that's kind of why we do these podcasts, because Jonathan and I disagree all the time. And, um, you know, I just hope that it just fosters good discussion. So.
2: Yeah, and I mean if anybody listening has uh, a different opinion, like definitely let us know because yeah, we're just two people with our opinions and you know, having these conversations is how you figure stuff out. So, sounds good to me. Um and so I think for the next segment we will this is why we have David here <laughs> other than just Ooh, enjoying his company. Um we want to talk about competitive events and uh, more specifically, the SoCal, SoCal Open.
1: Grand Clash. Yes, sir. So you want me to go into my spiel here now? Yeah, um, tell us about that. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to. We can just cut to no. the end if you'd like. <laughs> so the SoCal Open is uh, is a gaming convention held by Frontline Gaming in Del Mar, California, um, October 26th and 27th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. And it's a great venue, and it's uh, going to be a, a great tournament we're going to do uh, four rounds on Saturday and then as many rounds as we need to on Sunday to get a true winner um, with a, an hour break for lunch. There's a concession stand on sites. They serve hot dogs and beer and uh, San Diego's a great place to hang out in uh, after the games. And I think we should uh, we should get together and have a, a steak and a cigar and a, a adult beverage of choice after we're, after we're done playing Saturday. That yeah. sounds like ex- I mean, Underworld's
0: Alcohol, steak, California weather. I mean, that sounds great.
1: Yeah, you'll be playing your flip-flops in October on the beach. <laughs> it's not on the beach, but you can smell the beach from where we're going Salty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> great. Um, great. So you great.
0: mentioned a, a two-day, um, I guess, event. Um, will you be following the new two-day Grand Clash rules, or is it kind of just... Because I believe they're kind of now designed to where there must be a winner.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um will so, you be following um, that
1: or is it a little different I that before we did our schedule, uh, we did our schedule before they put that out and if I can adapt it to what we're doing I would love to um, I, I if, I'd, I'd rather not do a cut to the top sixteen just so that if you know the people who want to keep playing who aren't in the top sixteen can keep playing but if they if the if everybody wants to cut to top sixteen, we'll do that that sounds good so the players who don't
0: cut to the top sixteen will there be like a consolation round or tournament for them the next day while was, everyone's playing their top 16 or
1: if, if we're going to cut the to top 16, yeah, we we'll, we'll can do a, like a mini clash and I'll, I'll see if I can get a, uh, a shade glass from my, my GW rep uh, and, and a kit for that. But um, I was thinking of it more of like a 40, like a grand class, a grand tournament of 40 K where everybody just keeps playing and the, the winners are the winners and the, the people in the middle of the pack, bottom of the tables are playing for the lols and having a, having a good time. Oh, so you're saying
0: it's like if after 5 rounds there's one person undefeated, they just win?
1: Yes. Ah, okay. So don't drop yeah, a once... game early then. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but I'm also open if, if people want to cut to top 16, so everybody who's, you know, gone, you know, at the top of the pack, we we can do that too. And that's assuming we have enough players if there's only 32 signed up, we'll just do, you know, five rounds, we'll get it get us there anyway, so and if players want
0: to, I guess, chime in or, or give you feedback or, I dare say, vote on one of the two options, <laughs> um, is there, like, an email or, like, a…
1: Like, yeah, you, know, can you can know. contact me on Facebook. I'm David Cutts, and you know, there's a big, big ugly-bearded face on there. Or um, mm-hmm. I'll put a post up on the SoCal Open um, uh, Facebook page and uh, do a, a vote and see what everybody wants to do. But if And even if, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? You know, yeah, reach out to me if you have the strong feelings, um, but I'll put a post up on the SoCal Open page. So if you're not a fan of the SoCal Open, go like that page. <laughs>
2: well,
0: that's awesome. I'm, I think it's really cool that not only did you have this intention prior to this new format being released that kind of fulfills that intention, but mm-hmm. you're also willing to adapt to the community, which I think is awesome. So kudos to you, my friend.
1: Yeah. Well, there's so much griping after LVL last year about the, you know four or five people going undefeated before they had to the cut to the top two. That it was it was legitimately frustrating for my, my, everybody. I wasn't one of those undefeated players, but um, like the guy I played in the Stephen Van, the guy I played in the last round of day, the second day, was undefeated and, and he was really good. So why shouldn't have he been able to play a couple more rounds to see if he could have had a chance to to win the whole thing? And then the last round was it was timed like it was an hour and a half, but it was rush time. Like they, they I think they played their last game. And, Ten minutes or fifteen minutes or something, so it was uh, moderately frustrating because Tony, or my Tony Field, our local guy here, was playing in the final and kind of made a critical error given given time he might not have made. Right. Not that I'm. Yeah. So. so yeah. That that also was frustrating, and you know, it's happened at a bunch of clashes here uh, up until the point where the Warhammer Worlds had their two-day clash.
0: Yeah, Tony's actually. Shared that story with me right after Adepticon, where I kind mm-hmm. of made a similar critical error. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I I agree. But to to the other point of the undefeated, and this might open up a rabbit hole, so maybe I'll just <laughs> stop after this point. Um, but the two people who played in the final, had they dropped a single game all day, or was it just 2-0, 2-0, 2-0, 2-0 final?
1: I would imagine it was a 2-0, 2-0, but we'd have to go back and check. And it's in Beast Coast, or Best Coast pairings, so we mm-hmm. could do that. Um, but I can't imagine there was over a hundred players, right? So I can't imagine either of those two drops, dropped games. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or if they did,
2: if they did games is the first tiebreaker. So those two would have dropped the least amount of games.
1: Correct.
2: So, you know, even if they each dropped one, they were probably the only ones that dropped one. So it's, the system works, but it doesn't work. The old system works, but it doesn't work as well as it could. And usually all you need is a couple more rounds. So that's what I think is so cool about the two day, having that second day available um, to really finish it in a way that I think everybody will be satisfied with.
1: Yeah. Sure. You'd you'd never have a, a, even, the, you know, like I was going to say LV, like the the culmination of the ITC season for 40 K, you would never run a tournament without having one clear winner. And, you know, same thing in the NHL or baseball or whatever, you, you know, you wouldn't have two teams that are undefeated and be like, all right, you got a few more points, so you're the champion, right? It's just not it's not a cool way to, to win or to, to, to crown a, a grand champion winner.
2: I agree. Yeah. And especially not at a grand clash, which is supposed to be the most competitive of the events. So, yeah, I think it's great that you're making the second day happen. Um, and or, you know, if it needs to, if you only have 32 players, you can just play an awesome five rounds and then maybe you just do it again the next day or something like that'd be awesome, too.
1: Exactly. So,
2: yeah. It's great that you have the time um, available. One of the things that I'm excited about is this is the end of October. I guess I'm not sure if we know or not, but will this be either the first event of the new season or the last event of this one? So we? I, I guess we don't know.
1: If it follows last year, uh, Nightfall came out like three weeks or two or three weeks before SoCal Opened, up, like right at the end of September, uh-huh. I think, if I'm thinking right. So we we may see it.
2: So I imagine that you would use whatever the current uh, rules and stuff, or the you know the cards oh, and everything, sure. like yeah. we were talking yeah, I got. about. Yeah. So that'll be really exciting if this is the one to kick it off. Exactly.
1: I appreciate yeah. you guys invite me on here. Well, I harassed you, so
2: um, <laughs> no. for
1: allowing me to come on here and uh, and pump the event a little bit.
2: Cool. Yeah, and um, I guess just the, what we want to talk about briefly is just anything else that we would like to see about competitive events. And I guess <clears throat> I want to ask you, you know, and if you're – going to be doing any of this stuff um one of the things that i think would be really cool is if there were more streamed events um do you have any plans to maybe try to stream a top table or anything like that
1: i am a technical luddite but i can (laughs) talk to uh uh, frontline and see what they're and i imagine they'll be streaming 40k so i doubt they'll have resources for underworlds Um, but at the very least i'll put my facebook live on the top sure. table, and hopefully have my battery pack there so
2: I don't run out of juice. <laughs> cool. Yeah, maybe we'll have to try to make something happen with that. But
1: yeah, I think that's just it smart. And I, I know they have Wi-Fi there because I know they they've been streaming the last couple of years.
2: Okay. Yeah, I think that would be cool because unfortunately, I don't think any of the most recent Grand Clashes since the one in January have been streamed. That's correct. Um, and it would just, I would just love to be able to see those top-level games, you know, afterwards and during, so.
0: I would love to cast them, um, I guess, yeah. if I'm not playing in it, which, you know, that's the goal is to play in that game, but if you're not, if I'm not, uh, and you guys are able to do some sort of streaming, I would really enjoy uh, casting that game, and um, maybe even with you, Jonathan, and kind of just chit-chatting and kind of explaining to the viewers <laughs> what's happening and, and what we think we'll see, which I think is really exciting, because this, this game definitely has that ability to be casted, uh, the application is there. I just don't think anyone's run with it yet, and who knows? And you might see that from Path to Glory in the future. Wink, wink. Awesome.
1: <laughs> but how Do you think can we would ha-
2: how can we cast it, Amon, if we're in the final against each other?
1: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, or, or, or was, you... that was a that was a confident smirk, Ahmad. <laughs> right. <laughs> um.
0: If that's the case, then uh, I guess we just talk really loud so Facebook Live can pick it up about what we're doing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: oh. Well, no, I think we, we it, it definitely is <laughs> Yeah, the possi- like casting is a definite possibility, but I, I wonder if it's like poker. You need the the card cam to see what the each player has in their hand, sort of. Yeah. But, oh, I definitely know, think I'm, so. Uh-huh.
0: It'll, it'll definitely be easier on Underworlds Online. Yeah, especially if they have a spectate mode.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, I mean, you know, just throw up a couple iPhones out there and you're good to go. <laughs>
2: Um, Another thing I wanted to ask about, David, is um, I guess probably obviously the event is going to use BCP. Yes, sir. And um, one of the things just in general that I think competitive events should adopt is I think that all of the decks should be required to be submitted to BCP or whatever they're using. I agree. And then I also think that those decks should then be published to the community for their you know, review and things like that.
1: Well, and at one point I was worried that if you put decks in, your opponent would be able to see your deck beforehand because there's a little bit of that's mm-hmm. play, play best of three, right? But the, the TO can hide decks, exactly hide the lists. So there's no reason not to put your list in. And um, I will definitely be putting that in the player pack for, for SoCal. Great, great,
2: because I always like to do like a breakdown of all the stats, and people seem to enjoy that, and then um, Freya with uh, Steel City, she did a card breakdown where she was able to get all the cards. Uh, well, actually, I guess the problem was they weren't able to get all of them, because only like 50 people uploaded their, their decks to BCP for the last Grand Clash, out of like 80. So, uh, to me, that, you know, if we want this game to be competitive, it needs to be a little bit more professional in that regard like if your deck's not there like that's not really fair to everybody else how do we know it's a good you know a legal deck you know
1: right so, like the only people who know the McGores deck from last year's LVO are the people that played that 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 winner or mm-hmm. the friends who shared the deck with them.
2: and and this may just be like a personal gripe of mine but i i sort of think there needs to be a culture of if you bring a deck to a, an event that is now public information um I don't. There's sometimes. Sometimes I'll see people go to an event and like, especially a big one, and then do well and then not necessarily want to save their share their deck because maybe they're saving it for another Grand Clash or something like that. To me, like once you perform with it at a large event, it should be it should be known if that makes sense. But
0: yeah, and there's also like an indicator where like if your list is in there, your name is green. So yep. I guess Mm -hmm. if everyone either checks in through you, uh, David, or through their own personal devices, I guess you can just run through and see who hasn't. Because I do agree that decks should be shared. I mean, even in like 40k, lists are submitted ahead of time Mm -hmm. and they're public information. Um, In Hearthstone, which is another, I guess it's a competitive card game, um, you have to submit your list beforehand and they're public information. Um, I don't know if I would want lists submitted beforehand in Underworlds, but... If that was a requirement, I don't think I would mind too much either way because it, bring a gun, it, be, it brings another element into the game, which is counterplay. You know what your opponent has, so who makes the better decisions, which I think is also really
1: exciting. Exactly, and I think that uh, there was some griping of, in the 40k community about having to submit lists in advance at first, but now it's like nobody even bats an eye at it. You just upload your list and go to the event, and they're probably locked until the day or two before the event anyway, so you can't, you know, I can't, if you upload a list, I can't tech against you pre- beforehand, so.
2: And it's really for, especially in 40K, it's really for the player's protection because a lot of the time errors are caught at that point rather than at the event, so.
1: Sure, and um, they can be caught, we could have the same problem, right? Like, that, right. those people who don't want to share their decks, are, is there a reason they're not showing? Like, I don't want to be a the conspiracy theorist but, come on, like, yeah. don't be a tool. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I just think there's a level of, like, professionalism that it would be cool to reach. Um, so, um, I, I also think that, uh, like you were saying, Amon, I'm i not sure if I would want to open decks for a best of three format. But I do think it would be cool for a best of one if everybody knew the cards. Because that sort of helps get around the fact that, you know, you kind of need those three rounds to figure out what the other person's doing and help with randomness and help not be surprised so that would be an interesting format if it was open decks but best of one yeah just i a think thought on that.
0: i kind of agree with you even though like the inner deviant is me is like oh i can't play uh, all or nothing anymore you know
2: <laughs> right right so for, uh, for those of That's you true. don't know
0: all or nothing is like it's a really funny card it's an objective where if you don't score any other objectives this game you're allowed to score all or nothing and it's just like guaranteed five glory
1: so Tony, Tony's played that a
0: lot. <clears throat> yeah, he, he's played that with me as against me as well with eyes of the nine. And uh, mm-hmm. it's really interesting because you just load up on a lot of like, like uh, hyper aggressive cards and then you just like run your fighters in and you just kill as many things as you can while mm-hmm. denying your opponent glory. And crowd of average is great for that now. And then you, uh, you just win because you get five glory at the end and then you have <laughs> like formless key and other stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's really anything wrong with that format. It's just a different format. So
1: that's interesting. (laughs)
2: Um, And then uh, one more thing, David, I wanted to ask is, do you actually know how the BCP scores get added to the ITC rankings? Is that something that the TO has to
1: do when they set it up? Yeah, when you uh, when you set up a, an event in an ITO events at the club for 40K and AOS and, and Underworld, so um, yeah, you uh, you apply for a, a key or you don't apply, you, you request a key when you set up the event. They they send you the key a few days later, and then you uh, you have to upload the tournament results to BCP.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, because I noticed yeah, but, that like no one is doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's,
1: it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And I wrote a, a blog post on Frontline's uh, blog at end of last year about the, that. And, uh, and I, I'm a strong advocate of the, the ITC because I watched what it did to the 40K scene mm-hmm. in the bowels of 6th edition where almost nobody wanted to play 40K. <laughs> and at a local tournament, you'd be lucky if you get 8 or 12. And then ITC started putting out this, hey, come get your points. And literally two months later, there was 20 plus, almost 30 people at some of the local events. It was... It was unbelievable how much that little push from Frontline Gaming to, to start the ITC really revitalized 40K, at least in Southern California. Um, mm. At first, and I, and I know they're in Southern SoCal, so it might have had some regional,
2: yeah, I don't know, push. Well, hopefully it'll hopefully it'll become more popular. I, I've run a few events on BCP, but I didn't know how to set it up, so maybe we'll have to figure that out and. Uh, try to spread that to make it easier for people so
1: yeah it's it's really simple it, it, it's yeah. simple on ios I, I there's a to locally here um, who does um, events on uh, android and we couldn't i couldn't figure out how to do it on his phone but on uh, an iphone or an ipad it's it's literally three steps and I mean, okay. anybody who, if i can figure it out you can <laughs> yeah and you just set it up when you're making the
2: event and then I guess you have to do it a couple of days before. Is what you're if saying.
1: you want to upload that day, like you can request a key in, yeah. in January for an event that happens now. Oh, okay. They will probably grant you. And I'm not sure as they're getting more, uh, especially with 40k, as they're getting bigger and more prominent. I don't know if that's going to slide because I know they've got regional coordinators now who are right, uh, right. approving those keys. I don't know what they're doing for for, for Underworlds.
2: Okay. Well, yeah, that'd be interesting. I'm doing a lot of the data tracking, but it'd be cool to have you know those ratings those itc ratings actually be like something people could fight for so because i don't think any of the big grand clashes have uploaded any of that info either yeah that's too bad yeah yeah it is so okay we'll have to look into that i guess as well um anything else you guys want to see from competitive events any events you've been to that did something well or you know maybe something you think could be done better so, sounds like SoCal is going to be great. So.
1: <laughs> I, hope so. yeah. I hope so.
2: SoCal seems like it's going to be the gold standard.
0: Because, <laughs> um, you know, I guess, I mean, my biggest thing is BCP. Uh, I love that. I think mm-hmm. it's really useful. I'm not really worried about anything else. I mean, you know, the the rules packet from Games Workshop is great. The design team, um, the game is fantastic and the community is fantastic. So for me, the only thing that I would have liked is to see a little bit more organization when it comes to events. And if you're using BCP, then that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's super easy to organize events there.
2: Yeah, I agree. Probably the only other thing is uh, maybe just a little bit more, like, I wouldn't hate it if we're we're doing two days and stuff, if there was a little bit more time for some of the rounds or, I don't know, sometimes I feel like an hour and a half can be barely enough time. And then I know we've had a couple situations where, like, the finals – have run out of time and to me that doesn't really seem great so i don't know i almost wonder if maybe the finals should you know they should definitely have at least an hour and a half but i kind of wonder if maybe they could add another 20 minutes to some of these rounds <laughs> if we know we have a second day you know maybe you just need yeah, to go play f- faster
1: <laughs> that's that i was gonna that was gonna be my rebuttal but i'm like uh, if everybody gets the, gets the same amount of time then then it's cool my, my pet peeve is like, oh, can we play through lunch? Like, no, you can't. Cause yeah, that's true. That, then you've, you've got an inherent advantage over everybody who finished in the hour and a half. So um, everybody should have the same time. So I, on my events, I call Hard Dice Down. And I, I ran a, an event at a little con here in April or something. Um, and it was a three-day event. We had a, a cut to the top eight on day three. So either, either the top four from both days could go to day three. Um, and I, I Hard Dice down them all. Because I, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've moved to chess clocks in 40K for a reason, because it's half the time's mine, half the time's yours, and we should all have the same amount of time not not, not letting some people play through lunch or play it through at the end of the round. The, the, the final round, I can see some leeway there. Yeah,
2: that's true. And I, I also think that communication plays a big role in that. Um, like if, you know, there should be probably call outs every 30 minutes or something like that. Yeah, uh, that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah, that'll help a lot because I know there have been some situations where, you know, like you were saying, the final didn't have enough time or we had a situation where they hadn't really been strict with the time and then the very last round had a hard cutoff that surprised a lot of people. So yeah. um, I think just being consistent and then communicating, you know, what the policy is from the get-go is important.
1: Yeah, like don't sit on your butt and then at five minutes before the end of the round go, hey, you got five minutes, like get up there yeah. Every At least every half hour, preferably. So you don't want to harass everybody every 15 minutes, but, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I would also mention that if there there is a final event, it would be really nice to just get like, hey, you guys got 45 minutes left. Hey, you got 30 minutes left, you know. Exactly. Rather than, oh, you're starting game three. You have 12 minutes left.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or so. at least check, you know, are you done? You should be on game two or you should be wrapping up game two or something exactly. like that. Exactly.
0: Yeah, because I think that's part of the game, right? Is playing it in a timely manner. Yeah, time management is a big skill. Like, it's an important skill. And I don't think it's unreasonable to kind of, like, urge your opponent to speed things up if you feel like they might be playing at a slower pace than what is intended for your your set. Correct. Um, And so, uh, you know, like, I guess the question for you as a TO is if, you know, a player is accused of slow playing, like, how would you go about
1: um, navigating that? So, taking a cue from... Uh, TOing 40k events, it's like at the you can't accuse somebody at the end of the game. Like it's too late. Like if if you're 45 minutes in and you haven't finished your first game, then you need to start letting or even 25 minutes in and you're not nowhere near finishing your first game, you, then you have to let the TO know and let your opponent know that that you've got to speed up. And then if somebody's specifically slow playing, you know we'll, we will adopt the the ITC code of conduct and that is a, a yellow card. And if you get three yellow cards, you get booted. So. But what or happens if play. it
0: costs the opponent? Like, what if you get a yellow? Yeah, like, what if someone is like, okay, well, I can get three yellow cards. And, and this might be a rabbit hole, but, I mean, mm-hmm. this this could... I mean, I'm sure this happens in 40k. It could very well happen in Underworlds, though. I would I would hate for, to see that. But if someone's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm only going to get one yellow card, so I, I know I'm going to lose this game. I'm going to slow
1: play, so uh, I don't lose well, by that much. I uh, oh, lose by that much. Well, you could the multiple yellow cards in for every... Every game like, they play do you think every it's fair
0: game. for the opponent to like set a timer down and be like, "Yo, we have this much oh, time yeah. to get a game I, in"?
1: I I I would hope people start bringing chess clocks because half the time's mine, and I should get half of it. And just because you're, you want to take a couple extra minutes deciding your next move, that's fine. But it should, it should come out of your time, not my time.
2: Right. That's yeah. true.
1: The power step can be kind of wonky
2: for this game with chess clocks, but I think if it's an, if it's an issue, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea just to mm-hmm. have one around. <laughs> I mean, but I it's totally also, agree. It's also like your responsibility as a player to stand up for yourself and exactly. make sure that the game is going at the correct speed. You should be playing mm-hmm. quickly, and you should be you know, asking your opponent to play quickly as well. And I mean, I guess as soon as you get an inkling that maybe you're not going to finish the game... Then you you probably need to get a judge and
1: have them, you know, move things forward. Yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. it, it's especially if you expect a game three. But if it's a if you think oh this I'm gonna I'm gonna either lose or I'm gonna win in two games, you know, play it by ear. But if if you ex- suspect a third game, then definitely you need to get a judge over there ASAP.
2: Yeah, because yeah. the third game is when it's the most important, too, because then if the tiebreaker is, won't, if you don't finish it, you know, mm-hmm. not finishing that third game can be really strange. So, yep. yeah,
0: okay. I completely agree. Like, I played in a local event um, with the eyes of the nine against Farstriders, and we went to game three in the final, and uh, we had 14 minutes to play game three, mm-hmm. so I just pulled out my iPhone, set the timer for 14 minutes, and I said, we got to get this game in, uh, and we've. We actually finished with, like, a little over a minute to spare. So it just goes to show that <laughs> wow. you can you can play the game pretty quickly um, mm-hmm. if you want to. You know, like, and I think that pressure was exciting. Like, it it was it was probably the most fun I've had in a long time. Because it was, like, we were laughing. Like, we both, like, knew what each other's deck did. So it was like a race against time, literally, to beat your opponent, which I thought was really fun. So um, I guess to David's point, don't be afraid to set out a timer. Um, I know Tony Field does it. Um,
1: yep. so and Tony, yeah. field, Tony and I have worked really a lot on time cause he used to be slow and I really pushed him to, to go faster cause I knew it was costing him games. You know, and it's really funny you mentioned that
0: cause he now urges me to go faster.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so it's, it's really, it's really funny. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I thought that no, that's, no, that's no. a funny point.
1: And if you, you know, if you're, you get used to a, a decent pace and you think you're banking a, a few minutes here and there. When there's those crucial points where, uh, hey, I do need 30 seconds or two minutes to think about this next move, you've got it in the bank, right? So if, you, if you're if you humming and hawing over what board to play turn one, well, don't. Just pick one and put it down. Like, you should have an idea of what board you're going to play when you sit down and you see they're playing XYZ Warband.
2: Yeah. It's probably even worth it in your casual play or when you're prepping for an event to set the timer and just say, we're going to do a best of three real quick. Let's get it done. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd probably help you be more decisive too. You just, you'll know what the right mm-hmm. choice is and get through. So I think that sounds great. Um, you guys have anything else you want to add?
0: So I have one more thing that I'd like to add, and this does not have to do with uh, competitive player <laughs> of SoCal Open. I was reached out on my uh, Hex and Warbands page um, by Pietro Nucci. And uh, he yeah. is the the man behind, or one of the men and women uh, behind uh, Deckers, the Warhammer Underworlds deck builder.
2: And yeah, so he Underworlds asked, Deckers.
0: yep, Underworlds Deckers, and he asked to give him a quick shout out. And uh, he mentioned that there's this new downloadable guide that um, I guess will explain to people how you can run a tournament through Underworlds Deckers. And he actually mentioned that there's an upcoming national event in Spain, and there are 150 players signed up, and they'll be using Underworld's Deckers for their their tournament management system. So I guess it's a bit of a competitor to BCP, but it's completely free. All the information there is accessible, and uh, Pietro coined it, a new way to manage and share the competition. So um, It is really cool. Yeah. I I personally haven't used it yet, um, but – after receiving his messages, uh, I'm very inclined to try it because I guess a big barrier for people is, like, you have to pay a subscription fee to be at BCP?
2: Um, well, no, it's, no, you don't have free. to. It's free. It's free, but if you want to see data for a long time, you have to. You can have to pay. Oh,
0: I see. Okay.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. if you want to look at lists later on, like after three days or so, there's a subscription, um, which, I mean, makes sense. It's. I'm sure it takes a lot to run that. Um, Absolutely. The cool yeah, thing not, about Deckers is you can actually build your deck on Deckers and then upload that deck to the event and then the event will run from there. Um, it is web-based instead of app-based. Um, but he's been doing a lot of really cool stuff with it. Um, and The other thing is he has all the stats like built right into it. So when I do my data for my event stats, I'm, I basically just take his and then manually do BCP. So um it it is really cool um so if if you for whatever i know some people don't like bcp um Mm -hmm. for whatever reason i I personally it doesn't work great on the (laughs) uh androids but um you know i didn't you know hopefully they'll make that better but i would definitely say use one of those things get your event somewhere public um and uh, his is really cool. Like you can go on and you can see every game that was played on there, and you know you can see w- how well did this faction do against that faction. And he's he's working on a lot of cool stuff. So I,
0: I think that's awesome, and uh, definitely gonna give it more of a look. And uh, who knows, it might replace uh, Underworld's DB as my uh, deck builder of choice. But um,
2: I well think and they've actually been doing a lot of collaboration too. You can export. Have they? Port, oh, I can, actually have
0: noticed that you can yeah, export yeah. to each.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I actually think I like Deckers better on the phone, um, and I might like Underworld's DB better on the computer. So
1: being able to just
2: swap it around is really cool.
1: Yeah, because Underworld's DB does does not perform well on a phone.
2: Right. Yeah, but I like its display format better. I don't really like seeing the cards on DB or on Deckers, but I like the just the the names. So. Yeah.
0: Well, so really cool stuff. Check out Underworld's Deckers when you get the chance, and if you're maybe looking to run a competitive event, then uh, maybe check out their uh, tournament, I guess, uh, management system. Um, yeah, sounds fun. I'm gonna check it out.
2: Yeah, <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think um, the only other thing is just uh, anyone listening, if you have any questions or comments about uh, this episode, um, maybe what do you want from competitive events, anything we didn't cover, um, definitely let us know um, on our Facebook. Um, You can send us a message or you can comment on the post for this uh, episode. And uh, I just want to thank David for being here.
1: Yes. Um, Great having you. Thank you, David. What? And thank you for, appreciate you guys having me on.
2: Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Um, anything appreciate... else you want to say, on before we go? Um, no. Cool. Well, then thank you, everyone, for listening. That's this episode. Um, if you have any feedback, questions, comments, let us know on Facebook at Path to Glory Podcast. You can follow us on Podbean. You can find the show notes there as well. We'll be including all the links to... SoCal open and everything else that we talked about you can rate us on itunes podbean spotify that does something good that's that's what i know so so do that and then (laughs) i'm not sure what it does but i i know people want that to happen (laughs) everybody asks for it so it must be good it must be
0: good yeah and it only takes like a couple seconds so yeah
2: Mm. yeah.
0: throw
1: us a five star yeah <laughs>
2: well, thanks for listening, and we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory.
1: Bye bye. Go to SoCal Open. I'd love nice to give you, uh, tickets to the. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <laughs>